Hello. Epis- uh, it's episode 13. Unlucky for nobody. Unlucky for nobody just being a digit. Yes, 13. It's rum doings. It is rum doings. And uh, last week... We should have spelled it with a Z at the end and we'd be yeah. much cooler. We would be. Yeah. Um, but because we didn't, we're not, not cool at all. Non- non-cool. Except for last week's drink, which was Snowball for the Year 2000. Which I noticed in the forums. fortnights, not last week's. Oh, yeah, which I noticed in the forums has caused some consternation. I think that again it wasn't rum. Sorry, sorry those who've complained. On the message boards. Yes. On on the bulletin boards. The uh, the phone lines melted down with complaints. We received three telexes. (laughs) (laughs) The telexes to podcast at rumdoings.com. So this week we are returning. To, to actual to, proper to actual real, life rum. real rum. I love the way, by the way, that you, Scottish rum. Your your uh, father instincts can't help but spot the crying sound. The crying sound is so distant, I can barely hear it. But I see you react, yes. and then I listen for the crying sound. It's very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my daughter is upstairs uh, whinging at the moment. No, I mean, she's whinging because she has her nappy taken off and she loves being naked. Right. But then the constraints of the evil world putting her back into clothing, she mm-hmm. rebels against, as we all do. I mean, we're all like lying on our backs. Kicking our genitalia into the air, occasionally yep. pissing on ourselves, and but then it, to be forced back into clothing is it's awfully eat, restrictive. She'll eat from the, the tree of life, and soon she'll become ashamed of her nakedness. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Um, so what have we got? We've got the legendary... The legendary. You'll, have, you'll know I'm this reading one. the bottle. You'll know this one, because it's legendary. What's bizarre is, it's... Um, it, it, it says the legendary Alnwick rum. Apparently, right. this, I got this from, um, our, from Auntie Alice, Victoria's mm-hmm. sister. Um, and I think it comes from the castle at uh, Harry Potter. No, 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 no yawning. Oh, am I boring you? <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> it comes from the castle. Boring rum story. It comes from the castle in which Harry Potter was filmed. Do you know who else bans yawning? Who? Uh, Richard Desmond, the proprietor of uh, the Express newspapers. I love him. He, uh, the proprietor, got hold of a, uh, him a and memo, his bad Paul. a memo of his, uh, his one of his meetings, mm-hmm. and there's certain things that they they are banned in the meetings if you use your mobile telephone you have to pay or blackberry you have to pay 50 pound fine right and if you yawn you have to pay like a five pound fine for yawning um, during his meetings good I, i'm going to institute that at work <laughs> good idea it's just a, as long as you don't do it to me now so it's alnwick rum that's www.alnwickrum.com 43 percent volume uh-huh so it's a, going to be a tangy mix and 57 percent air yes it's a distinguished dark rum which has been enjoyed around the world for generations and is based on an old secret recipe from Alnwick. Lost for 20 years, this unique recipe requires the masterful blending of aged runs from Guyana and Jamaica. So there you are. Are you ready? How can you have... It was lost for 20 years. How can you have a secret recipe in this day and age of political health and safety correctness gone mad? Also, the fact that it was lost for 20 years, yeah. how do they know it was found again since it's a secret? That's true. We, we found it. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it again and charge for it. It turns out we've remembered how to make rum. <laughs> yes. We, we, we learned how to mix two rums. How come Mr. I'll, I'll pour some out, Mr. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken doesn't have to... Uh... <laughs> Making the bottle lid removal sound. Yeah, because I, I, I would have been already open, but I'm going to pour some now. Uk, this, this uk, is a real uk, pour. Uk, uk. Uh, the this is real. Sound. Well, is this real? Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound real. It sounds <laughs> like a sound effect. Real. It sounded like a sound effect. I hope that came across well. Yeah. I'll pour some. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Really? Oh, the air didn't do it that time. No. Oh, well. Um, let me you just. You poured yourself a generous measure there, I see. Yes, I'll close the bottle. Carry on your anecdote about Mr. KFC. Oh, yeah, I just, how can he have a secret blend of herbs and spices? Surely he should have to de- declare what they are just in case I'm allergic to one of them. 
Well, you'd have thought so. Yes. Yeah. Um, You're reclining like a Roman soldier. The same. This is the same like thing. A centurion. Yeah, I don't know. If the centurion's reclining. I realised I'd gone down Roman soldier. I wanted to make it as wrong as I could. Yes. The Roman recliner. That's true. Reclinatus. Reclinatus Romanum. Yes. I speak fluent Latin. Oh, well, I know. Surely it would be... I have no idea. Re- reclinatus Ro- Anyway, are we ready? Are we ready for what? To tasting the... Taste. Taste Three, two, one. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Don't say that. Auntie Alice will be upset. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes legendary to me. It does, does it? Sorry, Alice. Um... <laughs> It's a, I tell you what it is. No, it isn't actually. No, it's it's a bit of a shock because it is it's, so. It's straight it's, rum. It's proper rum. No, but also it's so oaky. It yeah, tastes it like a, it tastes like I've just eaten a barrel. I'll tell you what. It's so oaky. I'm not gonna. I'm not going back on what I said. The first taste in my mouth is horrible, but yeah. the aftertaste is fantastic. Yeah, that's true. I'm loving this flavour in my mouth. Right it now. is like I'm, I'm I'm chewing an oak barrel. Yeah, now. it's like a. a yeah, it's amazing. Mm. So if you you have to bear the first shock and then actually yeah, the the, wow. the the oakiness is nice, but. The initial hit. God, smell it, smell it. It smells of uh, licorice. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it basically, it smell is good, and its aftertaste mm-hmm. is good, but it's initial. <laughs> You've got to pow through that, that first one. No, it was, I think, part, and partly I think it was shocked that it's the first time we haven't had a sweet or flavoured rum for a it long is. time. It's actually yeah. a proper dark rum. And the memories it? from last fortnight's snowball from the year 2000 <laughs> yes, right. still... still lingering in my <laughs> mouth, that flavour. Yes. Whole two weeks have gone after, by. After 14 whole days. That's right. <laughs> 14 whole minutes. Let's try it. Taste bit. <laughs> mm. It's really shockingly, like, it's odd, isn't it? Gosh. You know, to do something really odd, just take a tiny little bit and stick it on, just l- l- lap it with the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a kind of weird sweetness that you hadn't detected before if you... No, there is. You're absolutely right. It's so bizarre. We're turning into Jilly Golden and Oz Clark because <laughs> their name's on the food programme. Oh, yes. You well, can't have programmes as, as good as the food programme. No, it would have to be called Food for 172. Funk, funk, funky Foods with a Z. <laughs> That's true. With, with Oz Clark, capital mm-hmm. W-O-C. Oz Clark these days does Oz and James's Big Adventure. You'll like that. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that, no. That's where he goes with Je- with James May from Top Gear and they... Mm. And they go. They travel around. They travel around France and America. And James May. He basically tries to educate James May's palate about wines oh, okay. and so on. And it's actually fairly entertaining. It's quite nice. I'm totally changing my mind on this rum. Hmm. I think the the really dark uh, aniseedy, licoricey flavour hmm. is phenomenal. It is. It is extraordinarily deep. But the thing is, you can't take a huge swig of it. You no, which is why I, I drank yeah. it like the, the Morgan if, Spiced, which yeah. my housemate bought me a bottle of for my exactly. birthday. Exactly. You, you just kind of gulp that down like a. It's delicious. Yes. Yeah. This is this is this is the business. You have to be careful with this. It's unfair to compare this with straw because it isn't like straw because straw doesn't really have a flavour. Oh, no, straw isn't a, a flavour that's worth drinking. No, it's 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 just a. Solvent. Have we used that for a podcast yet? Yes, we did. God, you see. I don't remember things. I don't listen. I don't remember the past. Yeah, I remember I said straw, and and it, I remember the point was that it just goes down your throat. Yes, as a vapor, so you That's don't. Right. It doesn't actually hit you until yeah, it hits your chest. It's, wall. It, it exists purely for the fun of trying to drink it. Yeah, and dropping a match down your throat. <laughs> That's right, mm, and, and breathing like a dragon. Yeah, That's very exciting. We haven't even said what the topic is today. Mm. Look at us ploughing through. Yes, go on then. Uh, what's the topic? Um... I can't, I can't remember the one you don't want to do. Yeah. Oh, yes. Whatever happened. Whatever happened down, to sitting down. Sitting down as a family for as dinner. As a family for dinner. <laughs> the way you're saying it after me, that's good. Whatever happened to sitting down with the family. For, for dinner. For 
Captain as a whole family. As a whole family. A whole. Grandparents, cousins. That's W-H-O-L-E. And we're not talking about a family of absences or gaps. <laughs> it's a whole family. <laughs> a whole family. It's very hard to pronounce that W. That includes all the, all the family that have ever existed. Your whole mm-hmm. family. Your ancestry. Yes. Whatever happened to sitting down with your ancestry for dinner. <laughs> yes, some sort of Shinto ritual. <laughs> That's what we used to do when I were a lad. we sit down with uh, going back at least six, seven generations. Mm. We would uh, bring the bones and dust, <laughs> the relics at the head of the table. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Uther from the Saxon pit wants more roast potatoes. Because <laughs> they, they didn't have potatoes in his age. They were brought here by Sir Walter Riley, so he finds them a novelty. That's true. Mm. Anyway, we'd all have a nice prayer before we ate. Well, I think well. that's discussed. Now we know what's happened to it. Ancestor worship ended, and thus the whole, whole family <laughs> was not was was not was not dined with. We stuck with those with with whom we live and are living. If we achieve anything in in doing this podcast, I hope it's that everyone in the whole world starts pronouncing whole whole. <laughs> everyone in the actually, whole world actually actually uh, do that. Just do it at work or at no less work at school um, tomorrow. Uh, just, just, just when you when you use the word, <laughs> when you use the word, just go whole. What See, you say? You, but what's the whole story? If you suggest that our audience are all schools, all students, and children, no, they're not. They're most have dropped out of school. Yeah, all, the adult, all the many adults. <laughs> very, very the few. Majority of our adult listeners. Very few are still at school. They they dropped out. <laughs> dropped out at fourteen. Uh, yes. To pursue an apprenticeship. Yes. We their wheelwrights and <laughs> basket makers. <laughs> But also Jeez. gamers and Christians. Gamers and Christians, so very many of them. More than you ever thought, dared to believe. Christian wheelwrights and gamer basket makers. I would like to point out we're sharing a sofa with an Xbox controller. And it's not mine. I know, but I'm just pointing out it's in your house. I have an Xbox controller in my house, I would That's admit to that. Um, you have your sneaky games of Halo 3 online multiplayer, don't you? Yeah, what's the... <laughs> see, how good, see how good James is? It's your Halo 3 online multiplayer on your electronic Xbox. <laughs> what is a Halo 3? It's a, it's a video game that the, the young people like. And Halo 1? That was a video game that everyone liked, but Eurogamer, who only gave it 7 out of 10, I think. What? Was it 6? What, only? What, 70%? They controversially gave it a low mark. Well, so 70% is a low mark. But everyone it? else gave it 10 That's out of 10. <sighs> you see. So it was shocking all those years ago. In a future podcast, we are going to have a great debate. Oh, yeah, we are. The great, the great debate. The great debate where I am going to debate four video games mm-hmm. as a mature and valuable and vibrant medium and yep. you're going to debate against so well, we're going no, well, to, that's nonsense that's we're going to idea. we're going to debate against our usual positions i've always thought that that's the way one should debate it always depresses yeah. me when i see celebrity debates and things like that where the celebrity or the professor who or whatever who, who you think would purport that position is the person who is forwarding it and, oppo- and the person mm. who's opposing is the person whom you would expect to oppose it. I think they should invert it. And I know that when you do debating societies at school and university, you basically have to pick out of a hat whether you're going to be proposing and opposing. Right, yes. And that, at the very least, that's yeah. what should happen. It always disappoints me when it's, it's too obvious otherwise. I think you should be forced to make a cogent argument against what you usually believe. No, it's, it's, and that's the strength and skill of debating. I but think. you have to be careful. Because as we know from one of our friends' experience, he took that too far yes. and became a conservative. Yes. Well, no, no, he became a conservative initially because it was a joke. Um, we, we, we said, you need to change your name to some funny name. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll tell you what, that'll look really funny on a Tory party membership card. Yes, that's right. And so we signed him up to the Tory party for uh-huh. a year. He changed his name by deed poll. No, he didn't actually change oh, it. He but but it was, he, he was signed up to the Tory party right. with his name. 
And then I don't know why we're so coy mentioning him. <laughs> well, you've mentioned everybody else, but we won't just because he wants to be mentioned, <laughs> so we won't. Uh, and then and then he has started getting all the documentation, yeah. in, and he's now an active Tory. It's like it's so like be careful with your jokes. Yeah, you have to be very careful. You go into the Scientology thing; they mm. promise you a personality reading. You're like, oh, I just have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, I'm going to make fun it. of them. You're giving them all your millions of dollars. The next thing you find yourself being uh, flown off in a spaceship, being flown off in a spaceship, or murdered in a little room because you're not given drug proper drug rehabilitation. That's true. Mm. Nick Mailer said murdered there. Scientologist not John Walker. <laughs> <laughs> John loves Scientology. <laughs> they're my favourites. I like the way that they they deny basic, obvious things like yeah. psychiatric conditions. I think that's brilliant. Or, or, or they base a lot of their theology on the fact that there were certain volcanoes on Earth yes. several million years ago, which didn't exist at that time. That's Whoops. right. Elron. Wizards I also love the way L. Ron Hubbard's big revelation about this in his space opera and it says all the Thetans were travelling through space. God, we are probably going to be sued for this, or we are going to be abused. <laughs> we're travelling through space in the things that he describes as, they look like, conveniently, they yeah. look like DC-8 aircraft. You know, That's the weird. aircraft that happens to be around <laughs> at this time. That, it's like, it's like when I used to play a space game of uh, random word snap with my sister. Yes. We made it up where, rather than saying snap, you had to say a random word. Mm-hmm. But if you won the last hand, you chose what the next random word was. So it kept changing all the way through, so it's much harder. Don't my sister, can we try doing that now, then? My sister would never come up with a random word. We right. haven't got a pack of cards. So she would just say, she would go, uh, radiator, curtains, because it was the thing that you could <laughs> see in front of it. I used to get furious with it. No, something you can't see, something random. It's giant rounds met and the game would end okay uh, in, in three seconds say a random word one two three Cartwheel. abnegation <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's a good game yeah anyway um so yes that's like whatever it was we were talking about remember we're whole we're whole must remember that so now we have four nights ago we promised our listeners who are who have been counting the seconds yeah. Until this moment. And as, as I said before, they've met me <laughs> and have already heard these stories. Well, no, not every one of our hundreds of listeners has met you, That's you true. egotistical, That's true. bloated beached whale. <laughs> but I will tell people within about ten minutes of meeting them yes. these stories. These stories yes. of your... These are from the olden days. What, day, what year? 97? Well, 97, well, no, it was before 97, the first meet... The first, the first meeting was before ninety-seven. Seriously, ninety-seven was the election. That was the last meeting. Oh gosh, yes, it was, so it was. So Brasso was to be ninety-six. Yes. So actually, no. When did when did when did uh, the Queen of Hearts die? I don't remember. Because remember, it was the day uh, a few? It was a week afterwards, and Mother Teresa had just died, and he. Was that's talking. right. Yes. Forgotten fact. Oh, whenever it was. Well, let's start from the very beginning because that's a good place. To... Okay, we should talk. No, it was no. It was ninety-seven origin... and slightly after ninety-seven. You're right. Sorry. The origin story of of rum doing. So it was it was it was Channel Four Forum. I just got the internet. Four 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 O D or whatever it was called. It wasn't then. That's what it's called now. It was, okay. the, it was the Forum. I think oh right, it was yes. Um, With Four Ed. But they were really ahead of their time, and the BBC hadn't got this. Got no, to this idea. Pretty this much nobody yet. had. And um, I remember I was a big fan of the day to day. And I wanted to know the, the what the what John the day to day. What's that John? Nineteen ninety three BBC Two news spoof program presented by created by Amanda Anucci and presented by Chris Morris and had uh, very other uh, various other luminaries in it based on the Radio Four program on the hour and written by the same people like Steve Coogan, Patrick Marber, and indeed Lee and Harry. Well, they wrote the radio program. They didn't write the TV on version. the hour. They did, yeah. But yeah. a lot of people who have subsequently become very, very famous in their own realms and so on. Rebecca Front was part of that. Indeed. Doon McKeekin. Doon McKeekin, of course. Yeah, all Um, of these people. Yes, and so, and I I had enjoyed that. And of course, Arthur Arthur, Arthur Linehan and... uh, Graham Linehan and and Arthur Matthews. Arthur Linehan and Graham Matthews. That's right. 
Oh, did you see the comedy awards this year? Last no. year, no. Graham Linehan was doing his acceptance speech. He won a he won a lifetime achievement award, and and, and rightly so. I mean, he, yeah. for, for writing, and mm-hmm. um, and he gave his acceptance speech all the way through, having offered some chocolate. Yeah, it'll go with the rum. Thank you very much. Um, but it, it's been uh, awarded, and all the way through his acceptance speech, he wrote he spoke about Arthur Matthews like he died. <laughs> and I was frantically searching the internet to find out when Arthur Matthews died. It turned out he apparently apologised on Twitter afterwards <laughs> for having given the wrong, quite the wrong impression about Arthur Matthews. Said he said, "When I write, it's like he's still there. His I still I, I still feel like I can tell him the jokes and hear whether he would laugh or not." <laughs> it's like he's just living in Ireland writing plays. <laughs> it's very peculiar. It anyway. Um, so, so there was this very good radio programme that was really ahead of its time, a very brutal satire of the news. Yes. Proper satire, but also it's where the character Alan Partridge was born, mm-hmm. who became Steve Coogan's big vehicle. Absolutely. And so they made the day-to-day the TV programme. And I, I remember catching it when I was in 93, but I would have been 15, and so I was just a bit too young to really appreciate it. You would have been 17, right? Yeah. So you would have come yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but I caught it on videos later and watched it over and over and over again. So Brass Eye was due to come in 97, and, uh, no, late 96, wasn't it? Yeah. And it didn't appear. And so I wanted to know why, and so I used the internet, in my excitement, found CompuServe. the four forums, yes, com- stepped outside the, the gated community of CompuServe into the, <laughs> dang- into this the dangerous, web- raging wild, <laughs> this the worldwide web. waste ground that they were trying to protect you from. <laughs> CompuServe were like, well, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. There'll be dragons. <laughs> That's true. We're not we're not moderating the content out there. Mm. And so I found the Channel Four forums, and then um, it was, and found out that there'd been some problems with the program that they were they'd balked on it in some way. Oh, then, do you remember what it was? Well, it was the the Daily Mail had campaigned against Sutcliffe the musical. Sutcliffe the musical, and then of course um, the the then director of Channel Four demanded it be edited. That's Michael right. Grade. And so Christopher Morris had embedded within. Oh no, no, that was all. That happened. That yeah. happened. That, that yeah. happened much later. But yes, yeah, so but it wasn't being. It basically wasn't being broadcast, and the whole thing was boiling over. And there was a huge thread saying, "Get uh, let Chris Morris yeah. have his program broadcast." And so, but when reading this, I was reading through this, and then there was uh, there was this post about where someone had written a spoof of a letter to points of view, mm. and I read this, and it really made me laugh a number of times. And that was you, and I contacted you. Because uh, I said that it made me laugh. Because in those days, of course, you just used your real email address. Yes, that's right. In the forum. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, why wouldn't you? There were seven other people who were likely to use it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and, and so I contacted you and we got in touch. And then I don't, I don't, I really have no recollection of how that led to uh, Glebe's Special Funnel. Well, can't you, you apologised for being a Christian uh-huh. for a start, which is good. Mm-hmm. And then you um, visited me at EasyNet, where I was working at the time. Oh, uh, yes, of course. You came upstairs and visited me, yep. I remember that. Yep. Um, and then uh, eventually we formed a website called Glebe's Thrift Funnel during yeah. the broadcast of Brass Eye, I think. Well, just before, yeah. Yeah, and it was a um, a Chris Morris website. It was I remember there was one other guy called Rob Sedgbeer who has gone on to who Rob, seems to, Rob Sedgbeer. He does a lot for Lee and Herring. Yeah, he seems to really be really a useful guy for them. Mm. And um, he, uh, I once went on a date of someone he went out with. Mm. Weird coincidence. Anyway, um, he he said that he gave us his material because he decided our site was better than his. Yes. Um, frog, I remember Frogger, something called yes. Frogger. Anyway, and, and so we, we built up this website, and, and then I decided I would push my luck, and I contacted, um, I'd, been try, I'd been just t- teetering on the idea of getting work writing for various feature publishing magazines, mm. and I read this magazine called Comedy Review that ran for six issues, yes. and it had a back page written by Peter Bainham. Mm. Um, who I knew wrote for Brass Eye. So uh, I contacted... And Peter Bainham, who subsequently um, written... What was it that he... Oh, Borat. 
Borat, etc. Yeah, yeah, he's doing very well. He's now living in LA, apparently doing very well for himself. Um, and so I contacted the editor of, of that magazine, of Comedy Review, um, who's now working for Total Film, I think. Mm. Um, and I asked him, do you have any contact details for Peter Bainham? I want to interview him for our yeah. website. And he said, oh, I've got his, I won't give you his parents' number. He said, but here's his mobile, here's his landline. Can you imagine him? That? <laughs> you guys are happening now. It's extraordinary. And so I gave him a call. No, but I think it said, uh, no, because at that stage saying, we, we, are, we are the productions of a worldwide web page. Mm. It was considered, you know, it was something interesting and, yeah. and, and, and relatively worth, you know, there weren't that many people doing it. So it was noteworthy and you would, you would allow people to get in touch about that. Mm-hmm. There wasn't this immediate suspicion. Yeah. Really. And Peter Bainham was at this point famous for being Peter on Fist of Fun. Yeah, a ludicrous uh, character. Yeah, and, and, and for being the pot and advert guy. Um, yeah. they're, they're too gorgeous. They're too gorgeous, yes. So he um, he was famous in in some rights at that point already. And he had he was very lovely. He didn't object at all to my calling him no. out of the blue. And he agreed to do an interview, and I interviewed him. And that, that went and that interview going up on the funnel, and along with all the other content we were getting. And, and then we got other interviews. I said, I interviewed Kevin Eldon. Kevin Eldon, etc. yes. And Leon Herring, I interviewed them as well, yeah. and we ran yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and so we had all this content, and we got a lot of attention. I found, one of the, I found an old copy of, a, of um, Escape magazine. Yeah. which was a slightly naughty, kind of trying to be a bit of a lads mag and an internet magazine at the same time. Yes. We were profiled in there, and .net magazine gave us websites. We were, no, we were, we were, and we were in the Guardian Guide. Oh, yes, of course, I forgot well. about that, yes. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was a big deal at the time, because there were very few properly made good quality fan sites that actually yeah. had proper interviews and information. We typed up scripts of On The Hour, and I even had, I even sampled stuff of On The Hour tapes that I had. Mm-hmm. I remember working really hard on the Amiga to make the sound sample small enough oh, to right. download from an Amiga, from a modem and that kind of thing. Oh, fantastic. You mean 28.8 yeah. modems at that point? Well, 14.4 even, even yes. They were, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, it, it, we worked hard on it. It's subsequently, mm-hmm. of course, like all things you've made, just turned to dust. And you let the you let Quirky die, didn't you? Yeah, it's your own fault. But anyway, so yes, and this gave us enough of attention. But in contacting Pete Bainham, I stayed in touch with him. Mm. You phoned him occasionally, asking what was up. Yeah, and just kind of chatted to him. He was a very friendly guy, and he invited us to join him for lunch in London. That's right. Yeah, so at, um, a, at a, an Italian Italian restaurant. Yes, and he didn't tell us, but he brought along Graham Linham and Arthur Matthews, of course, who wrote. Um, Father, Ted. Father Ted, etc. Yeah, um, and they were the three of them were writing Steve Coogan's bit for Comic Relief that yeah. night. Yeah, so they were going to, he was going to be doing Pauline Calf at Comic Relief that evening. Yeah, I remember. And so they were going to meet that afternoon. They were going to write the script for. Yeah, it. I remember we were so, sitting we were sitting at the table trying to suggest jokes that they, and they were batting <laughs> ideas around. It was yeah. almost, it was just like a dream, wasn't it? The, mm. It was kind of certainly you're going to wake up these three comedy writers who we'd admired for years were throwing ideas around. And do you remember we told the story? Oh, because we told them the story about the hidden frame. Yeah. In, um, what do you think about using the word to describe this story on Rum Doings? We don't swear on this podcast. No, but you can say it's, it's oh, the, the naughtiest word of all, the beginning with C. The C word. Mm-hmm. Um, he hid it in, an, in a... Christopher Morris hid it yes, in one in frame. An, one frame of an episode of Brass. Saying Michael Grade is a... Someone told us, who was the controller of Channel yeah. 4 at the time, he'd made him cut the Sutcliffe sketch. Yeah. So we, and someone told us, who we still suspect might have been Chris Morris, mm. someone leaked it to Bemley. We found the frame, put it up on the funnel. The Sun stole it, printed it in the paper the next and it morning. And became a huge... And he got fired as a consequence. <laughs> so technically we got Chris Morris fired. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a mistake. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So and so yes, we told them this story. And do you remember there was the because he didn't the C was an optical illusion. It was mm. just no the T it was the C U N. But the T yes, was an optical yes. illusion on the on the map. And I remember uh, Graham Linham then improvising this whole courtroom scene with the judge. Yeah. Um, going no, there was no, and they were just banting. It was so exciting. Like oh, we're in the centre of this important, yeah. exciting thing. 
Mm. And so, yes, that was the beginning of our yes. dalliance with the stars. It's, it's sad that it has a sad ending where the stars all go away and leave us bereft. But well, it got better. I mean, but it did get better. The story the, gets better. Uh, well, the election. The, uh, yes, the, ele- uh, the 97 um, General Armistice election, election special. Because right, so, yeah, Amanda Inucci at that point had a TV show on Friday nights called The Friday Night Armistice. And then Armistice. became the Saturday Night Armistice, yes. and then just generally The Armistice. Yeah. And so it was, he, and it was him, Peter Bainham, and David Schneider, so mm. a, a bunch of alumni from day to day. Yeah. And they were doing, it's a very silly, topical comedy was fun, show. Yes. Um, and it had, and, and they, inv- and so it was the election night Armistice was on, and Peter was invited. live, of course, yeah. Yes, and, they, and Pete invited the two of us up to go and see it, yeah. be in the audience, and gave us green room passes. So we sat and we watched the whole show going out from, I think, from 9pm till just gone midnight. And of course, remember, that was an extraordinary election. Yes, because yeah. it, was, it was the end of the Tory race, yes. 19 years of the Tories. And, and the and... Uh, Michael Portillo thing oh, happened and all that. And it, was like, it was like, and they had that man, I forgot what his name was, but the man from The Observer who's latterly done television, who was actually the serious correspondent who was brought in to, to, to do a spot. And as soon as he finished, he rushed to the side of the studio to actually watch the real television because he couldn't right. quite believe what, what he was seeing and whether, in fact, this was just a joke by Yanucci. <laughs> you know, but they had, um, they had, who else? They had the Jenny Powell yes. from Wheel of Fortune doing um, some silly thing. And they had Valerie Singleton. Valerie Singleton, Sally with Phillips. The, with the trampoline outside. <laughs> the trampoline outside. Yeah. Sally Phillips. Uh, Sally Phillips was later. No, Sally Phillips was, was, Sally Phillips was there. She played a whore. The oh, helicopter so hall. Yes. The, the helicopter hall. <laughs> That's true, I forgot. And um, and Kevin Eldon was there as well, mm-hmm. and Peter Bainham, and, and, and yeah, not Steve Coogan. The whole gang. Was Steve Coogan? No, no he was wasn't there. Was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, and so we watched this, and it was fantastic because it was live. It was, it was, mm. like, I loved, I'd love to them to do it again sometime because mm. BBC One had the election coverage, and BBC Two had live spoofing yes. of the election coverage, which, which was, was wonderful. A brilliant Such idea. Such a surreal evening, and really was yes. surreal, properly used. And then afterward, we had these passes that let us go down to the party after they finished filming. Really? So suddenly we found ourselves in a room with uh, Amanda Inucci, and no, Steve Coogan was there. Yes, he, he turned definitely up for some there, reason, yes. Um, because he was doing, because um, I remember at a certain point, I think everyone had had a few cold drinks by this point. Yes. And um, he was doing impressions of the politicians. Because we were watching remember, yes. we were watching the election results. Yes, that's, that's on right. On a TV inside the BBC that got really poor BBC <laughs> yes. Inside the green room. <laughs> sitting really huddled up close. Yes, I mean, because there right. weren't enough chairs. We were kind of we're just on lying floor. on top of each other. Sat on the floor. Um, Valerie Singleton was sat on my, my right foot. I remember she was, that yes. especially. She was. Amanda, and, and she, she took off her shoes. I remember <laughs> that. She yeah. forgot her shoes. She forgot her shoes. She, she, I think she might have had a couple of cold drinks as well. <laughs> yes. Sally Phillips gave you a kiss. Cheek. Oh, yeah. very excited about that. Still yeah. boast that's what I boast more than anything else that I kissed Jenny Powell called a, one of her colleagues where we were discussing and she called one of her colleagues at that stage a most unpleasant individual. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, we gently, very gently, you were terrified of this. I, I asked her about being on because she'd been a victim of brass eye. Yeah. And I asked her about this and you got very cross me and thought we were going to be thrown out because mm. I was, I wanted to ask Jenny because she'd been promoting heavy electricity yes. on brass eye. I, I, I don't think she She still seemed genuinely not to realise that she'd been a victim of it all. No. Um, everybody was having an enjoyable drink and every time the Tory lost his seat, of course, all the impartial... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, <coughs> you know. I remember though when Michael Patillo came on camera, came on screen. Everyone threw crisps at the TV. Everybody, including Stephen Coogan and Amanda Nucci's wife, told him off. Yes, Amanda Nucci's wife was cross, and she it. was cuddling Mr. John Majors, Mr. Tony Blair, and no, Mr. John Majors, you know, the, the cuddly Mr. Tony Blair and Mr. Yes. John Majors, and so, <laughs> all throwing things at the television. Yes, I remember. it was very exciting. There was there was one, and Steve Coogan was doing impressions of people as they came on. So he yeah. was doing over the top of the yes. the people. He was doing the voices, and it was yes. so funny. It was bizarre. And we were there till really early. I think we were there till like six in the morning or so something. When we came yeah. out, it was daylight. Yes. 
Yeah. And this would be May, Lots of so. course food and unlimited drink at the license payers' expense. <laughs> That's right. Well, it was just a fridge full of beer. I think there's nothing more, nothing there more nibbles ludicrous well. than that. Yeah. No, nibbles. And it was just a phenomenal night that doesn't feel like it could genuinely have been part of my past. No. <laughs> just surrounded by my, com- my comedy heroes who are still today my comedy heroes. Yes. Nothing's really changed in that respect. No. Um, and, and one comedy non-hero. Remember? Oh, the well, large, the large. We won't say who it was. Let's not be... Let's make it all positive. Yeah, there was a large gentleman. A yes. large gentleman, almost the size of... Beep. Who, who uh, was, was quite snide and unpleasant. Um, but that... Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe, may, may, maybe the talcum powder that had gone up his nose had perhaps um, <sighs> caused, caused him to sneeze a bit. So maybe I, that's why it was I nasty. I deny all of this. I didn't lies. say who it was. But... These lies. Yeah. Anyway, mm. but it was genuinely an overwhelmingly positive experience. There were so many, everyone, these people who had no reason to be speaking to the likes of us. <laughs> couple they're, of, they're, uh, they were perfectly pleasant. Absolutely. And they were very chatty with us. Bonamy. Yeah, I remember, I remember just Steve Coogan with his arm around my shoulder, leaning yeah. in, going, uh, chatting about stuff that was going on the TV. <laughs> it's just so, so peculiar. And then chatting to Peter Bainham about cars, I remember. Yeah, I he really remember. does like to talk about cars. He does I? like cars. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we should skip ahead then. So we did that, and then we got invited, and the second thing that Peter invited us to was a taping of I'm Alan Partridge, and we didn't know why we were being invited yes. to this. It was, um, but he was, they were making the there, ah, there was one person in the election who wasn't there, and that was, of course, Chris Morris. Oh yes, yeah, so he, he had nothing yeah. to do with that. Yeah. So there was an episode of um, I Man and Partridge we were invited to the taping for, and we, mm. you know they were making a second series, so we were very happy to have been given. This invites. was the first. Series. Oh, sorry, making the first yeah. series, of course, the first we, series. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. Um, yes, yeah, so we, we don't know me knowing you was a couple of years yeah, in the yeah. past, and yeah. um, and so we we went along and um, we sat in the audience and we didn't know what was going on. I remember Tom Bins did the warm up and mm. mocked our friend Louis Barr for looking like Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the lights come up and Steve Coogan comes out and introduces his special guest star for that <laughs> evening on Mr. Christopher Morris. He was very nervous. Ne- hadn't, he told us, he, had, he said he hadn't been in fr- on stage since, he said, I mean, he said to the audience he hadn't been on stage since he was 19. Hmm. Um, he hadn't done anything live since he was 19. He was absolutely Yeah, terrified. he was really nervous. And it was, the, it was the episode where he was on, where he played the radio presenter. Remember, he was interviewing... Uh, or being well, so no, he was he was being interviewed by um, by uh, Alan Partridge. Uh, Partridge. He was a representative of a farmers' union or something like that. Something a very like unlikely that. representative of a farmers' That's union. Right. Yeah. And he was there was I'm just remember, quacking plums. I remember something about uh, spinal plums. cords in a bap. Yes, being involved. Yes. And they, were, they did two takes of the scene because Coogan forgot a bunch of key lines in the first take. Yes, because a whole lot of it was improvised. Yeah, and they and the second take was not nearly as good. And I remember I think that what aired was an amalgamation of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so we, after that we, we I was st- going to leave. On. Sorry. After that, I was going to leave because we hadn't yes, really, right. we had we not been invited no. to the green room at this time. We had quite no cat- carat- and I categorically, categorically. <laughs> yeah. And I said, "This is look. We're in the same room, same building as Chris Morris. We've got to try." You're not going to be. He we was know. a massive hero at that stage. Abs- of course. Subsequently, he's fouled his nappy. But before but then, you've got to understand this is post Brassai. This is pre Brassai special. Yeah, but it's post Brassai. Yes. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, he was the, the greatest comedian alive. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any, yeah. anyone else who could challenge him for that mm. title. Certainly not there. Um, and, you know, we'd written a website dedicated to mm. him and had a mailing list, of, you know, ostensibly about him. And you know, we were we were fanboys, you yes. call us now. but Super fanboys. Yeah, yeah. And so we were in the same building as him. And, we, and I, th- I said to you, we know the way to the green room. Yes, we, so it'll bl- be the same one. Let's blag our way down there. And so we, went, we had no passes, no security, right, yes. nothing. So we went up to the reception. We could have desk been underpant bombers. <laughs> it's true. But we, in those innocent days, we went up to the reception desk and said, um, "Just off to the uh, 
Okay, yeah, mm. could we just go down to the green room for the uh, yeah, partridge? Yeah, yeah, Pete, Pete just asked us to fetch That's something. Right. I remember it was just like that, in that cliche. <laughs> and she's sort. like, waved us to the lift. And we knew the way. Cause, and we said, no, no. She said, oh, well. It's, and we said, no, 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 no it's no, okay. We, we know the way. And she just completely sat back in her chair. Yeah, because point. of that point, yeah. And, and so we went down the lift. Shows your confidence. <laughs> does allow you to blow up your pants. Absolutely. And yeah. we found the room and we found, uh, I remember we found Armando who was producing the programme. Yeah. And we asked him, is it okay if we stay? And he yeah. said, yes, absolutely, that was yeah. fine. And uh, so we hung around and eventually... You had, you, you had a stiff drink. I Did remember I? you actually said, I need... Uh, a gonna, bottle of... I a bottle yeah, of yeah, I said, I need very, one very nervous. if we're going to be meeting uh, <laughs> the Lord Jesus. <laughs> the Lord Chris Morris. Yeah. And then in he came and we, we patiently waited until an appropriate moment and went up and said hello. Mm. And how long do you think he talked to us for? How long do you remember? It was. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't exaggerate to say at least half an hour. To yes, I, minutes. my memory is yeah. forty-five. So I wonder if it, maybe it was half an hour. But there were a huge number of topics discussed. It was yes, extraordinary. It was, it was a fan, he was a fantastic man, and he knew of the website, which was just lovely for us. Yes. Um. And he, so he vaguely knew who we were, so he mm. wasn't too surprised by our yeah. existence. And there was. Uh, I remember he was discussing before. He was discussing a lot about zoology and the fossil records mm. because his degree had been in zoology. Yeah. So he was discussing the fossil record. And then he was talking about that. Of course, Mother Teresa had just died. No, well, no, he was. Diana, said, Diana had died. Yeah, because on the way up to London, I'd seen all these people on the tube. No, no, he said Diana's died, and now Mother Teresa's died. <coughs> I wonder if she was also going through a tunnel. But no, her or funeral, her funeral was Diana's funeral was going to be the next day, and he was inviting a few mm. people over for a Diana, yeah, a Diana funeral party. No, not a party. Just I think it was, he was invited some friends. Maybe he said, "Said we'll have some dips." <laughs> so it was, um, it was fantastic to meet him. And he was extremely generous. But with what his time was interesting by this stage was interesting to see Coogan was slightly changed. Do you remember? I don't think I don't think we should need to be talking about celebrities' private lives. Slightly changed. I'll just put, I'll say no more than that. There was a, there was an, uh, an interesting think, insecurity which we noticed. I think I think the insecurity was prevalent throughout because I remember asking him. I said to him, "Is it very difficult to play a character like Alan Partridge? She's quite quite so revolting." Mm. And he said, "Actually, it's you know it taps into some of the worst parts of my personality, yeah. and it's, I think it's quite easy for me to slip yeah. into." Yeah. So he was going very honest about that. No, but it was just insecurity. Basically, I, I don't know, it was actually quite touching. He said, Armando, what, was that any good? Was, it all, was mm-hmm. I all right? Yeah, and it kind of he genuinely, it was like Armando was his father figure whom he was asking. And it was very yeah. interesting to see. I couldn't know how you would react to your producer and your director, but the, the hierarchy was obviously there in a very interesting way. Like Armando was in control. Yeah. Even though, even though Coogan was ostensibly the bigger, was the star. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting dynamic to see, I think. Yeah. And then, of course... Uh, Morris signed a, a napkin. Oh yes, that's right. Well, it, was, it wasn't a napkin; it was the back of a script. Oh, yeah. um, we tore a script from the, the that evening show. Mm. Why we didn't just keep the script? Mm. Ridiculous. But anyway, and and he wrote. Uh, I don't know. You lost yours, didn't you? Yeah. But I still got mine, in which because I never asked for an autograph from anyone else because it just seems yeah. ridiculous. We just knew that no one would believe us otherwise. Yeah. And he wrote, "What's the point of this?" And then yeah. his signature. Yes. Um, it was good. on the back of a script for me. Yes. And so yeah, remember the script was very different from the programme, so that was interesting in yeah. as much as you could see how much had been cut and improvised. And yeah, sounds. that's right. Yeah. And again, it was just a really nice time hanging out with some really genuinely lovely people, and uh, Morris was amazing. And, and then, of course, Peter Bain became increasingly famous, and you lost his phone number. And I didn't lose his phone number, I still got it. I'm assuming it doesn't work now. If he lives in America, I'm presuming it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. There just wasn't any reason for me to call him anymore. So. See, if we'd been properly rapacious, we would have really made something of our connections, and we would now be Safe, well in there. Super famous comedy yeah. writers, yeah. So it's actually a really lovely story, isn't it, to reflect on that we met all our comedy heroes and people say don't meet your heroes. Don't uh-huh. regret meeting a single put they were all generous, warm, friendly people. And even if they hadn't even if they were just acting, the the, the meeting was as good as the not meeting. And why would they be acting in a relaxed green yeah, room? No, they were very relaxed post show gathering. Nice. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just fantastic. And Sally Phillips was, of course, at that as well, because she was a receptionist. You liked Sally Phillips. Phillips very much at the time. She's very pretty. I still like Sally Phillips. And now, and now she's a Christian. She is. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody sat on her bed, I think. I think Jesus sat at the bottom of her bed. I was reading her oh, really? coming out story. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then she became one. Sadly, now Jesus is telling her that she can't act in certain naughty comedy programs, which I found a bit sad. Oh, strange. I'm just, no, she was in something recently and she was very naughty. naughty. Was she? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe Jesus is redefining what no, naughty No, no, I think means. I don't think that's true of Sally Phillips. I think she's up for... Up for naughtiness. Up for naughtiness, very much so. Right. Um, and she did smack the pony and all that. That was a bit naughty. I mean, smack the pony itself is a naughty, naughty phrase. Yeah. People from uh, Bemley, the mailing list that we started back in the olden days, wrote for smack the pony, didn't they? Yes. I think Bemley was actually quite a productive thing. Yes, it was. It had a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's produced a baby. That's true. Yeah. One child. How, is it only one child it's produced? No, well, well, I mean, directly, but others have probably yeah. become involved because yeah. of some tangential involvement. It's very exciting. It is. So there you go, that's the, sto- it's the, the origin story. The Ur... I'm doing. The, the Ur message. What time are we? We've got 36, we've got ages to go. Excellent. So what we can actually then talk about is... I like it, by the way, I'm liking this reclined. We're very laid back for this It recording. is, and I notice that the rum's starting to go to my head a bit now. Oh, OK. A little. I've, I've drunk more than you remember my very generous... Yes, you had a very generous portion, yeah. I've drunk about a, more than a, a couple of cubic inches, you know, about That's a cubic inch. There's a lot more of my bloodstream to go around. Yeah. And then your slight, slender body. Yes. Are you going to be going to America this year? hope so. I'm happy to go and see some friends in uh, spring break. That's my plan. Spring break? Where are you going to? You're going to Daytona yeah, Beach? Yeah, I'm going to go to Daytona Beach. I'm going to go... No, I'm going to... Delray Beach. I'm going to see... My friends are teachers, and so that's... Therefore, they're on holiday. So that's a good time to go over and see them. In, in, in Chicago. Chicago. I thought they were in Philadelphia. No, nope, they've moved back. They decided that Chicago... Uh, Chicago's well, best. One of, one of your um, forum commentators... Mm-hmm. Suggested that Chicago was no good. I know. He lived there. Idiot. He's probably full. He's probably not living in Chicago. They probably fooled him. Yes. He's really living in Detroit. Yeah, he's living in Detroit. Did you, did you know how much it cost to buy a house in Detroit just now? No. $5,000. I would. Oh, you could buy a neighbourhood with a decent mortgage. Yeah, you should do that. I've, it's, it would make sense to do that. Yeah. To buy yourself a neighbourhood and then it's, got, it's not going to get, you know, Detroit's never been great. No. But it's going to get better. Or not. Um, and if not, you've got an entire neighbourhood gated off. Safe, friendly area. Protect it from bears. Listen, which is a big problem just now. You can just listen to loud music there or something. That's yeah. true. You can have genuine... For, you can forge those... a religion. <laughs> you can have your own cult. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. But you could, you could rent those houses, because obviously there's an extremely large problem with poverty in Detroit now, now yeah. that all the business is gone and the people with enough money to move out did. Yes. You could rent out an entire neighbourhood at massively mm. decent rates to people who... Mm could only afford to pay that much and give them decent homes. Well, this is how people make their millions, people who spot this thing and then do it rather than talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. Also, I don't really have the, the spare cash to buy myself a neighbourhood, let alone one of the houses. Buy yourself a little house. Yeah. Oh, it's my little pad in Detroit. Little house 5,000 miles in the sky in Detroit. Yeah. yeah. I've never been there. No, nor have I, but uh, apparently it is very unpleasant at the moment. Yeah, it's apparently it's not a great place to be. And bears. Bears are a big problem in are Detroit they? just now, yeah. They're, Why They're that? reclaiming it. Oh, good. It's theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they just waited for... What's this Mr. Ford doing? Oh, dear. Right, well, <laughs> that, that'll all be finished in about 80 years. Right, let's go. <laughs> There's an amazing thing in America of just sheer scale. just means that there are entire abandoned towns and villages mm. all over the country. There's one in Philadelphia where there's an underground fire. There's an underground tar pit 
that's been on fire for the last 50 or 50 or so years to the point where it's now the fire has become so dangerous that it's cra- is breaking the ground above it. Right. So they've had to move this entire neighbourhood out. So there's a whole town completely abandoned with these amazing fissures running down the roads. The steam pouring. Oh, yeah, I think them. I've seen you can, if you do a search on the, yes. on Her Majesty's Google. You'll abandoned f- towns of Philadelphia, you'll find those pictures. Fire. Astonishing. Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing that you can just have an entire... Town. I like ghost towns. Ghost the notion absolutely, of a ghost yes, town. Yeah, absolutely. There is one in Britain, which was where they requisitioned a whole town during the Second World War for artillery practice or something like that. And mm-hmm. they, I've they, been there, yeah. And they never bothered giving it back. It's down in the southwest. It's about an hour's drive from where I live. Yeah. And you can go in about, there's a couple of weekends a year where they let you in. And, yeah. and so we did and had a look at poke around. It's very interesting. And there are also towns which have been sunk to the bottom of um, dams and things. Mm-hmm. Lady Well Dam and that sort of thing, I think is. Is, is an example. Yeah, I find those interestingly evocative. There's an abandoned pier in uh, Western Supermare, which you can only get to. It's got a it's got a walkway to it still, mm. which is used by the RNLI, mm. but it's not uh, open to the public and it's fenced off with giant gates and things. But uh, tw- about two or three times a year, the tide goes out far enough that it reveals a path through the sea. Right. Um, and you can get there that way. And we try, I tried to do it this summer, and we got halfway across, and then a very officious man on the island started shouting at us through a loud hailer. I, I think you might have mentioned this, yeah. Did I mention it on the podcast? Well, I know you mentioned it to me in the car, but maybe I don't not think I've, I think I've talked about it on what I'm doing, no. so I genuinely don't. So we never made it there to Scooby-Doo Island. That was uh, a big plan. Yeah, because um, he told you, stay and drown, but don't go to the That's island. right, stay in the middle of the... Stay on the path that's going to be cons- covered by the sea in a couple of hours. Rather than Whatever you do, don't come into the safety of this giant concrete island. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we, near, near us in Collendale, in fact, where you got the tube, uh-huh. which is that, that little driveway that you I pick you up on, to the left of there is an abandoned lunatic asylum. Oh, really? With a, with a Victorian clock mast oh, on wow. it. Um, and it's been abandoned for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sadly, and there's a big sign saying uh, uh, land for redevelopment is luxury flats. And oh. really gone to, but I always went on my run there <coughs> and you'd run past this crumbling Victorian building with a bell tower and... Uh, extremely evocative because here's, here's a reference for all our gamer listeners is it called the cradle so you know you're not going to understand what the cradle is but most of the people listening to this podcast as it turns out will <laughs> you're, on a, you're on a word strike now are you too angry to carry on it's in thief three thief deadly shadows there's an abandoned lunatic asylum slash uh children's uh, orphanage uh called the cradle why don't families sit and have dinner together <laughs> as a whole anymore? As a whole. As a whole. As a whole. I'm, I'm, I might be a bit naughty, I actually. Think, I think they should have future children who have yet to be born yeah, at the they, dinner as well. Well, they could do that. They could just... So what's your... Sorry, what are you doing gen, well, well, no, I was just going to naughty and discussing this. I was going to say, well... Um, <laughs> right, yes, we're breaking our own rule. I suppose you have future children, what do you want them to produce their gametes? <laughs> That's right. On a dish. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> How de- you've lowered the tone. More creme fraiche, Vicar. That's not creme fraiche. <laughs> That's my great-granddaughter. Yes. <laughs> Do a- not eat part, half of my great-granddaughter. There's a sitcom. There's yes. a sitcom story. It's called like. That's My Great-Granddaughter <laughs> in that dish. Of a family to plates of sperm lying around the house. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's naughty. That is very naughty, isn't it? In fact, it's so naughty, we might have to end now. Can I just say, by the way, that your socks are revolting. Really, you describe Vic- them for the listeners. Victoria bought them for me. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite. Describe them. Well, well, they're they're, they're Captain Cyan, uh-huh. or or um, turquoise as you'd call them. Yes, there are then alternate uh, horizontal stripes of so it's just dark a turquoise, pur- turquoise cap. Yes, and then, then there are uh, along the foot there are horizontal stripes of 
Magenta. Bur- no, no, it's not magenta. It's, it's oh, okay. more bur- burgundy, dark burgundy okay. and grey. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, uh, finally a long grey cuff. <laughs> and and they're, they're, they're very nice, aren't they? Turquoise and purple colours born to go together. Well, it's striking. See, my socks are much more sedate. Yeah, but you've done the way. Ooh, look, I'm wacky. I'm wearing different coloured socks and both. I don't like people who do that. I'm sorry. In fact, I don't like it at all. I'm going to not speak to you anymore because of that. Wow, okay. Well, I guess we've got to stop. <laughs>